if you have your Bibles tonight. I want you to turn to, oh, well, yes, Ephesians chapter 6. You're going to find yourself in verse number 16. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, starting in verse number 16. As we've gone through, and um, I'd, I've gotten a number of, of people that have responded and uh, that said that uh, God has really been speaking to them in these series of messages, and, and God has uh, blessed me as well. Uh, I want you to know that these messages, when I'm preaching to you, they were preached to me first, okay? I needed these messages Myself, And so God's been good to us. And I'm, I'm telling you, does it not make a difference when you find out who the real enemy is? Doesn't it make a difference that you know that you have all, all that you need to be able to be victorious in these battles? And so uh, God's been good to us. And so uh, verse number 16. Now, before we uh, get there, let's just do a quick reminder. And I have all of my props here. Uh, I feel like I'm a, a sideshow or something here at times. But uh, here, remember, uh, the first message we looked at is that the helmet of salvation. Okay, and the helmet is to protect our, our, our minds. And uh, we saw the importance of, uh, the Bible tells us, uh, to hold every thought captive. Okay, uh, the influence that you're getting up here, we need to be guarding that. And so we are to put the helmet on. And so we looked at that. And then this morning we looked at, and I didn't bring it this morning, but I brought it uh, this evening, is that uh, we are to put the breastplate of righteousness on. And so what does that do? Y'all are so critical. It's a stinking prop, okay? <laughs> and then he got over my mic and probably messed everything up. And the sound guys are going, oh God, don't do that. So the breastplate, and what does that do? That was to protect our hearts, right? And so... Tonight, we're going to look at the shield of faith. Now, here's what I want to show you. This piece of plyboard, and I appreciate Brother Eugene uh, cutting this out for me. And what does it have to do with a shield? This piece of plyboard is two and a half feet wide and four feet long. That was the side of the shields that the Roman soldiers would carry. Is that not pretty impressive? Can you imagine having to carry this into battle? But that, that was the size. And so I wanted to show you how large this was. Now, the shield was also used for protection. And what was it protecting from? It was to protect them from the arrows and the heat of the battle that were being uh, shot at them. They would use that shield as their protection. And so uh, here in verse number 16, listen what the word says. It says, and above all, taking the shield of faith. Now I find it interesting uh, that uh, the breastplate, he gave it the name of righteousness. Here the shield is the shield of faith. And he says, and wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That's what the shield was for. The shield of faith. See, our faith is not based on feelings. Our faith is based on function. We function in our faith. 
And it's our faith that gives us protection to the fiery darts that Satan continually fires at us. Now, a wonderful illustration of how the shield would work. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it was a movie. And the movie was called 300. The movie was based upon 300 Spartans. And they were going to be in a battle with uh, those who represented the Persian Empire. One million Persian, that was the size of the army, against 300. And so the, the scene showed, it shows the, uh, the Persian uh, Empire's army, and it showed the Spartans there. I mean, the, the odds were stacked against them. You ever felt like your life, uh, have you ever thought that the odds were stacked against you? I mean, there was a situation that you had to face and you were looking at it. But here again, we were looking at it through physical eyes. Maybe it was a financial crisis that you're going through. Maybe it was a relationship issue, whatever the case may be. Uh, at the first onset of that, you're thinking, I just don't know. I mean, every, I, 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 just, I just don't think we're going to make it here. But it seems like when we exercise and function in our faith, we always get through it. I mean, many of you can testify to the fact that there were dark days, and maybe you're having some dark days now, but you continue to use that shield, and because you operated in faith, you saw the Lord Jesus working in your life. Now, He might not have changed the circumstances, but what He did do was to help you get all your eyes off the circumstances and put Him on the author and finish of your faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we got our eyes back on the Lord Jesus Christ, it just seemed circumstances were still the same, but it seemed like we had contentment and peace and we came to the conclusion, God can handle this for me. Amen? God can handle this for me. So in the movie here, there. So here's the million, here's the 300. And so one of those that were representative of the Persian uh, troops steps out and he hollers out. He says, let it be known that a thousand nations of Persia are coming against you and we are going to fire our arrows at you and there's going to be so many that it will blot the sun out. Next scene. Here comes the arrows. And it did. It darkened the sky. One of the Persian soldiers cries out, if that's the case, then we will fight under the shade. And they raised their shields in unison. And not a one of those arrows took one of the Spartans out. That's the shield of faith. When it seems like the, 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 the arrows, the fiery darts of hell itself is coming against you, you just raise your shield of faith. Because that's in lies your protection. And so we see that uh, he goes and uh, talks about the shield. Now, what do we need to know about this? Well, first of all, we need to know that uh, in verse uh, number of, of 13, we see that it says that in that evil day, it talks about the evil day. 
Now, when is that evil day? That evil day is when Satan is coming after you. And his demonic angels are coming after you. That's the evil day. It could be there's someone here tonight that you're in the evil day. Satan uh, has fired his fiery darts at you and it seems like there is no hope. It seems like what's the use of keeping on, keeping on? But my dear friend, by the authority of the Word of God, you raise your shield of faith and you're not fighting the battle, but he's fighting it for you. But you have to raise your shield. You have to operate in faith. And so we see that he talks about the shield of faith. Now in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, very familiar. It says, and we've already quoted that, is that he is the author, talking about Jesus, he's the author and finisher of our faith. And then we also see in Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, where it talks about that it's not I, but it's Christ uh, in me. uh, And it goes on and says in that verse that we live by faith. But we also see in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4, it says that if you have the Son, you have life. So here's what we need to understand. When we're operating and we're raising our shield of faith, our faith is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we're in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have life. And if we have life, then we are to live by faith. The Bible tells us that we do not live by what we see, but we live by what we have heard. Truth. The Word of God. And the Word of God has so shown us that we are more than conquerors. The Word of God has shown us because we are in Christ and He lives in us, then we are to operate. That means that if He is our life, that means that every aspect of our life should be lived in faith. Our pocketbook, we ought to live by faith. The way we operate and no matter what. My business, I should operate in faith. My pleasure, my leisure time, I should operate and live in faith. See, what the problem that we have in many of our church is that we have these compartments of our life and we have this little section here, our social gatherings and our social, our business. That's another little category. And, And then we have our church life. My dear friend, the Lord Jesus, if He is living in us and we're saying that we're living by faith, that means we operate in faith in all aspects of our lives. We can't just pick and choose. And we have too many, and we've already made mention of this morning, we have too many that have not really done business with God because of uh, their breastplate has not been put on, that they've gone through the motions, they've been superficial in their prayer life, they've been superficial in their service, they've been superficial uh, in the way they live. And we've got to understand, if we're going to be victorious in these battles that are facing us, we have to live by faith. It's faith. It's a faith issue. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that Jesus is everything that we have and he's everything we need. But also, we understand if Christ in us, he has put us into position to have victory. 
Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that He has put you in position for you to be victorious in your battles that you'll have to face? So here's the one. Remember, it goes back to the helmet. It even goes further back. Remember when we talked and gave the football analogy where we dropped the ball, we fumbled the ball? And that we, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus, because of His sacrifice for us, uh, He's given us, He recovered for us, and He put the ball back in our arms, and He says, okay, this is how you need to operate. And so we understand that the ball is in our court, and it's not, our, it's not His fault if we fumble. When we fumble, it's because we have put ourselves out of position. I've played on teams that... Some of the guys wanted to go ahead and be the big shot. You, you ever played on a team like that? Somebody that, to, you know, they'll tell you, hey, this team evolves around me. And, you know, every time they got the ball, they'd throw it up there. You know, if they were at half court, they thought they could make the shot. And they slung that thing up there. And, and of course, that caused problems within the team. And uh, oh, why is that? It's because he was out of position. He didn't understand that this was a team effort. Could it be that we are suffering defeats in many of our battles that we're facing because too many of us are out of position? I played on football teams where I was out of position. It was my fault. I, I should have went to the left uh, and uh, I went to the right. And the play was supposed to be going. And of course, uh, my quarterback got sacked. Why was it? Was it the quarterback's fault? No, it was my fault because I was out of position. And so we need to understand that we need to place ourselves in under His authority and we all have a position to play. Here in 1 Corinthians, we're going through it in Sunday school. Oh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and, and it's getting hot in here again. And no, it's not because of conviction. That's an inside joke, okay. And so... He, uh, we're looking at the spiritual gifts and it talks about, uh, and Paul, in, in three of his letters, he gives a reference to the, the, the body uh, uh, or the church is the body of believers. He talks, everyone uh, has a part in that. Do you understand if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're a member of this fellowship, you have a position to play? Okay? Now, some of us, we all can't be the quarterback. Not all of us can be the running back. Some of us, we've got to be a tight end or a guard or a tackle, whatever the case may be. Some of us are not playing offense. We're better on defense. Some of us, we're on special teams. Whatever the case may be, every one of us has a position to play. And by the way, you have received the gift that you need to be able to play your position. But here's what happens. We get out of position. I don't like being the nose guard. I want to be the quarterback. Well, God didn't gift you in those areas. Doesn't matter. That's what I want. I'm telling you. And the church now becomes dysfunctional. Okay? And when you take yourself out of position... You are not living by faith. You're living by what you see or what you think you see. I heard the Titans won, but, you know, whatever for that. But Monday morning, the sports, they're all going to be arms, uh, Monday morning quarterbacks. 
They're going to say, well, they should have done that, and they shouldn't have done that, and then like that. And, and I get caught up on that sometimes. But you know what? Here's reality. They didn't hire me to be their coach because I don't have the qualifications, and that's not where God has placed me. And too many times, even in the church, we have those who have taken their self out of position because they think they can function better. You will not function better. You function where God's placed you. By the way, since we're talking about gifts, you do understand no matter what gift or gifts that you have, they all came by the same way, grace. They're grace gifts. And so it goes on and we see that we're operating in that. What does all that mean? It means that faith, watch it. Here's the definition of faith. Mark it down. This is, this is deep, okay? Got it? Everybody ready? The definition of faith is it's acting with the understanding that God is telling the truth. I told you it was deep. Did you get that? Faith is operating or acting as if God is telling the truth. My dear friend, God is telling the truth. That's not where the issue lies. The issue is that we act as if we really believe He's telling the truth. That's faith. That's faith. And so as we look at that, we, we see that um, in life and, and he goes in and he says um, uh, that God is telling the truth. And we say, well, yes, I believe he's telling the truth. And so now he gets back and we're, we're going to get there. But one of the, the first piece that was mentioned uh, in, the, in the armor was the belt of truth. Now we're going to uh, do a little more detail when we get there. But the belt of truth that they would wear a large belt, if you will. And of course, they had the robes and whatnot. And so when they were going to war, they would tuck everything in that belt because they didn't want anything loose. Because when they're going into combat, especially if they got into hand-in-hand combat, uh, they didn't want to uh, give a, any uh, advantage over the enemy where they could maybe grab something that was uh, kind of loose there and, and be able to drag them down. We're seeing that uh, now. You notice if you watch football, okay, their jerseys. I mean, their jerseys are like a second layer of skin. There's a purpose for that because it's harder when something is close to you, it's harder to be able to grab hold of that. Okay. So what we need to understand is that we need to operate in faith. If we're operating in faith, that means we're operating with a belt of truth. That means that I'm making sure I'm living my life that nothing loose where the enemy can grab a hold of. Is this making sense? Okay, so, uh, so what does that mean? So we already talked. It's not about your feelings. It's about... Oh, your function. And so, uh, the, the mind here uh, shows up. And I, and I, I found this cup. The, uh, what faith is, is that your mind, uh, what, what comes in your mind, remember? What, what you're getting influenced by, that your mind shows up in your feet. When you come to realize here that the Lord Jesus is truth, when you get it up here that he is the only one unto salvation. 
And so not only do we have it up here, but he has to get down here. Because confession is with the mouth, but you have to believe in your heart, right? And so when we have our mind right and we have our heart right, then our feet will show proof that we are living right by our actions. Okay? So, uh, we, what, what, where, where are we going to go with that? Well, I, I want to show you. Here, here's where we get messed up so many. Well, so many of the things that we see in the church is based on emotions. Now, I'm not saying we should be emotional in our worship. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that, oh, when someone uh, comes down to the altar, there ought to be some emotion. I'm not discounting that. But what I'm saying is you cannot operate on your feelings. It will get you in trouble every time. Okay? So what do we need to do? We got to get that in check. How do we do that? Glad you asked. You go to a movie. Remember when Jaws came out back some years ago? Yeah, by that response, I'm, I'm fixing to say you're exactly right. So we all know that it was not real. You, you do know that there's, you know, it was mechanical, okay? I know somebody you thought, are you kidding me? I thought the thing was real. I'm, no, it, it. and so, you know, the music, remember the music? Do, do the music for me. Dude, yeah, I say, yeah, yeah, a bunch of weirdos. And so, so we knew it was not real, right? In our mind, we knew that's, that's not real. That's just special effects. But we got kind of caught up in it, didn't we? And where, for many of us, we did not go into the water a year after that movie came out. Did we not? Yeah. Hey, hey. We, we, of course, we spent a lot of time in Florida, and, and uh, the movie had it'd been like three or four years, and we, uh, we went uh, to the, the, and I got out of the water, and I'm telling you, it is almost like I heard an audible uh, sound, I heard that music of Jaws, doo-doo, doo-doo, and you know what I did? I got out of there. <laughs> now, why is that? Because... You knew it was not real, but yet your emotions, the movie plays on your emotions, does it not? Remember the movie Birds? That was a crazy movie. You know, with those birds cut on her and then they attacked the people. I would go out after watching that, and of course it was an old movie. I knew it wasn't real. I knew it wasn't real, but yet I'd go outside and if I saw two or three birds gathering together, <laughs> I heard the music from birds. Well, watch this. Now, you say, well, Brother Mike, we don't go see movies like this. Yeah, you did. You saw this one. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock had that movie Psycho. Remember that one? The shower scene. How many of you, after you watched that, we're like making sure all the lights were on in your bathroom and you were showering, but you kept on looking through your shower curtain. <laughs> Why was that? Now, you knew that was a movie, but yet it started to overtake your emotions. If you're not careful, you will live your life the very same way. The things that cannot hurt you, if you let your emotions get caught up on you, You'll start operating on your emotions and not, only, and not on truth. 
You getting this? This is going to free somebody up. And many times in our churches, we get caught up in the emotion. And that's the reason why we're like yo-yos. We're back and forth, back and forth. Well, I think I'm saying, well, I don't know. And we're going back and forth, back and forth. Why? Because Satan, remember? He's the orchestrator, right? Satan tries to get into your emotions and if he can get into your emotions and you operate into your emotions, he's got you. And then you no longer live by faith. You're living by your feelings. So how do we do that? Well, here's one thing. We've got to take truth, right? Now, in Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 5, you all know it talks about loving your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Okay, that's, that's the word of God, right? That's truth. We are to love our enemies and we're to pray for those who persecute us. Here's what happens. We'll say, well, I, how can I love that person? I, 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 can't, I, I can't love that person because they, they, you, you don't understand how hurtful they've been to me. You don't understand what they've said to me. But the Bible says we are to love them. So what do we do? We take the Word of God for what it is, truth. And so now we're operating in faith. I'm operating in faith that God put that in there for a purpose. And if He put that in there for a purpose, what is the purpose? The purpose is to show your enemy the love of Jesus Christ. Are you you with me here? And here's where we're messing up. We're letting our emotions Get the best of us. And I don't mean to be political here, and, and I'm not trying to be political, but here's what I've come to read. Many of us, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have immigration laws or anything like that, and some of you have already gotten, oh, you've done got nervous already about this. I'm telling you, I have no problems with that. I have no problems. I think if you come, you need to come in legally, and you need to abide by the law. I have no problems with that. But here's the case. God has allowed them, whatever the purpose, remember, He is over the, He's the one that set up governments, right? Do you believe that God's in control of every situation? Do you believe that God in, is in control of the government? Do you think He has a say-so? Of course He does. That's the reason why Romans chapter 13 says we are to pray for those who are authority over us. And notice, when it says that, it doesn't say if you agree with them. Doesn't say that. It says, you need to pray for them. And the scripture that we just read says, you need to love your enemies. And I'm talking to, and we, and I need to understand this because I get caught up in my feelings as well. We have Muslims coming in. We've already seen the statistics in the Nashville area. Oh, the, the Arabic is being one of the, uh, one of, uh, one of the languages that's, that's, uh, that's prominent now. We have Kurds that are coming in. We, we have those that have no clue to what Christianity is all about. And here's where devil's getting us. He says, hey, you know what? They go to their, why are they coming over here? They need to go back where they came from. Could it be that God is testing us in this situation and to where we're instead of hating on them and bashing them and, and getting and fussing about our elected officials, what would happen if we really wanted to love our, our enemies and go to them and show them the love of Jesus Christ? Wonder what would happen if some of them got saved. <laughs> 
It's quiet in here, and I understand that. Well, folks, I'm telling you, we don't really live by faith. We're living by feelings. And we'll get ticked off because your neighbor across the street is a Hindu and they ought to know better than that. What would happen if you went with the love of Jesus and tried and talked to them and let them know that you love them in Jesus' name? Is that not what the scripture says? Love your enemies. So if you operate in faith, watch this. If you operate in faith, your emotions will catch up. To where now where you had a hatred towards them or you disliked them, but you're going, you're living by faith. And you're putting your feelings aside and you say, Lord, thank you for this opportunity that I have to go and share the gospel with someone that's dying and going to hell. Lord, thank you that you give me an opportunity that I just have to walk across the street to someone that, uh, that is going to hell. They, if they die tonight, they're going to hell. But I'm going because of my faith. I'm living by faith. And your word tells me that I'm to love my neighbors. Your word is telling me that I need to go and pray for those that are persecuting me. And I'm going to go and share the love of Jesus Christ. If you continue to operate in faith and you continue to function in faith, your emotions are going to come alongside that to where now you had a hatred, now you have a love for them and now you're broken hearted that they're going to go to hell is this making sense do you understand so if we're going to win these battles we have to operate in faith Matthew 17 verse number 20 says if you had a faith of a mustard seed if you just had the faith of a little seed you can move mountains now, what does that have to do with anything? Well, it means that you don't need more faith. You need more truth. I'm going to say it again. You don't need more faith. You got all the faith. You, you, when you got saved, you had all the faith that you needed. Okay? You need more truth. And you need to operate in truth. And you need to live by faith and not by your feelings. Romans chapter 11 verse 6 says, talks about grace and talks about works. And we need to understand it's by God's grace that we can operate in faith. You cannot operate in faith in and in yourself. The Lord Jesus has to help you to do that. Remember the shield. The fiery darts of Satan are coming. And they will continue to come. Here's what they would do when they get their shields ready for battle. They would cover them with animal skin or with leather. And then they would dip that shield in water. They take it out of the water. And when they go into battle... And they raised their shield and the fiery darts would come. The arrows would come because of the preparation they did. It would extinguish the fiery darts. Now watch. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been covered in the blood. 
been covered in the blood. And because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it will enable us to not live with feelings, but live in faith. What is faith? Believing that God is telling you the truth. God's telling you the truth. And you need to stand upon that truth. And we need to operate in that truth. This thing is not about how fluent you are in your speech. It's not how fluent you are in learning other cultures. It's based upon what Jesus Christ can do for you if you exercise what he's given you. Quick illustration, we're going to invitation. The story goes like this. There was a man, and this is many years ago, he was out in the desert and he got lost. And he didn't have enough water supply and he's, uh, he's stumbling around, he's, he's misdirected, he's just kind of wandering around. And he's, uh, he's, he's, he knows that his death is right there if he doesn't get to water. He walks more and finally he saw off in the distance a little old run-down little shack. He staggers, finally makes his way to the shack. It was weather-beaten. Uh, it was uh, just in disarray. But he went ahead and walked in because that was going to provide a little shade. When he walked in, he noticed a large jug. He thought, well... And he goes and he looks at the jug and it's all dusty. And he noticed there was something on the jug. It looked like a piece of paper. And he uh, knocked off the dust. And the little piece of paper said this. It said, here is some water. Take this water that's in this jug and go to the well that's behind the shack. And use this water to prime the pump. Well, the guy says, well, he says, uh, I don't know how long this water's been here. I don't know how long that pump's been out. So he goes out to the pump. It's all rusty. And, you know, and he thought, now, if I use this water that I have available to me, and if I drink it, that'll help me maybe hopefully get on my way and, and, and get back to where I got my bearings and, and, and get out of this desert. But he says, you know what? What if I do what the instructions told me and I go and take this water and prime the pump with it? I'll have more water than I need. So the note goes and says, and by the way, if you uh, prime the pump, uh, you can take as much water, but be sure to leave some water in the jug just like you found it. So the man, he's, he says, well, what else do I have to lose? So he goes out. And he starts to prime the pump and he's pumping and it's squeaking and he's thinking, oh, this doesn't look good. And he's pouring some more water and he's thinking, I could be drinking that water, but no, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what the instructions tell me. And so, and then finally, here comes the water. Oh, he had all kinds of water. I mean, fresh, clean water. And he drank all that he needed. And he followed through with the instructions. And he, uh, the last jug of water, he went, put the cork back on it, and put it back on the shelf where he left it for the next person who might be coming that way. 
Now, what's the point of this story? Your faith. And watch this. You can keep it to yourself or you can go and water others with your faith. And when you go and water others with your faith, their pump gets primed. And then they go and tell someone where they can find water. And then that next person can go and say, I can tell you where you can find water. When we're living by faith, we need to understand we have a responsibility to go and prime the pump of others to encourage them. There is one. His name is Jesus who gives living water. And He is truth. And I'm going to live my life not based on my emotions and my feelings, but on what the Word tells me to do and instructs me to do. What about you? What about you? What are you doing with your water that the Lord has given you? Are you encouraging someone else? Are you sharing with someone who needs a cold cup and water in Jesus' name? You'll be able to do that when you operate under truth and not feelings. The Lord has spoken to us tonight and we just need to go ahead and make a commitment that we're going to have our shield of faith and we understand when we raise that shield that's where our protection lies and all the fiery darts, the lies and all the other things that Satan wants to throw at us can be extinguished Not because of who you are, but because of who He is. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.